Welcome to the Pig Health Today podcast, where we talk all health, all the time. Hear engaging interviews with today's leading industry experts. Hosted by Pig Health Today editors, podcast episodes highlight the latest ideas, insights, and advice to improve pig health, welfare, and performance. Hi, I'm Rhonda Pick, Managing Editor of Pig Health Today. Joining me is Dr. Eric Burrow. He is Associate Professor at Iowa State University. Thanks for joining us. You bet. Thanks for having me. Last fall, the first case of Streptococcus zooepidemicus was first diagnosed um, in the U.S. pig population. Um, tell us a little bit more about the events surrounding that encounter. Sure, yeah. So strep um, equi zooepidemicus, we'll just call it strep zoo, if that's easier. Um, strep zoo is a, a common organism in horses and in other species, but we happen to have a, a very highly virulent strain that showed up in the U.S. for the first time. Uh, it's actually, as you mentioned last fall, uh, we had a case in a buying station in Ohio um, in on uh, September, and then in October, a follow-up at the uh, slaughter plant in Tennessee. And as you receive tissue samples at the Iowa State Diagnostic Lab, what type of information did you initially have available? Yeah, it was pretty interesting. The, uh, the first thing that was kind of unusual for us was the level of mortality. And so the uh, submission came with a history of sows dying, uh, about 40% of those sows dying within a two-day period. And so for that level of mortality, of course, that got our attention. So let's talk a little bit more about the, the progression of your analysis. I know you also were working with USDA. There were several parties involved. Um, describe to me your, your knockout process for evaluating, you know, it is this, it's not this. Walk through that. Yeah, so in the history, you know, they, they mentioned that these pigs had large spleens. And so in today's world with African swine fever as a concern, that was a, something that was on our differential list as well as other causes of septicemia. And on that first case, um, you know, we didn't get strep zo right off the bat. Um, it's a beta hemolytic strep, and the pathogenic streps in uh, pigs are usually alpha hemolytic. And so on the first pass through, our bacteriologist, you know, assumed it was a commensal or a background and, and didn't pursue it. And it wasn't until a second case came a few days later that we found that. Um, once we identified it as, as strep zo, as you mentioned, we did do some collaborative work, and we've taken that isolate and we've put it back into uh, both adult pigs and also some growing pigs, and we've seen very high mortality and deaths within, again, 48 hours. So it's a very unique, highly pathogenic organism. Uh, you mentioned some other things. We did genetic analyses as well, and it's highly related to a strain. It's actually 99% similar to a strain uh, from China in the 1970s. It was associated with death of 300,000 pigs. Wow. So our big question now is, well, where's it been since 1975? And as you move through your investigation and eventually identified it as strep zoo, uh, what were some of your other key milestones throughout that investigative process? Yeah, so well, first off, ruling out the other things, right? I mean, that was the, the primary. Uh, but then once we were able to confirm it and compare it with some other strains, uh, we were a little bit worried about, well, you know, how common is this, right? Is it something that we've overlooked or, or haven't been digging into in, in cases of uh, disease in pigs. And so we've actually since then started to screen for it uh, proactively and looking for it in every tissue. And quite interestingly and, and fortunate for the industry, we haven't found it in a single diagnostic submission since to our laboratory. There has been one more report in the U.S. and Pennsylvania that happened in December, but in general, it tends to be very, very uh, epidemic when it happens. Lots of animals die, but thankfully it's not very widespread. 
And what was the timeline from when you initially received tissue samples until you identified what it was? Uh, it would have been uh, the second submission that came two days later. So okay. we had a, an identification within three, uh, three days. Where did it come from? Where did you find as far as your investigation for the source? Yeah, so there actually, as we dug into this a little bit deeper, found that there was an outbreak in Canada that happened uh, earlier, actually, um, in June or July, I'm not sure on exactly which month, but happened in June or July, they started to see high mortality events. And as we've thought about the epidemiologic uh, investigation, animals from uh, that province in Canada would have made their way to Ohio and then from the Ohio buying station to the slaughter plant in Tennessee. So I think we've got the, the epidemiology of that. Um, now, as far as how it got into Canada, again, that's, that's what's under investigation right now. So as you reflect on the experience with this, and producers have heard about it, you know, should they be very concerned? Yeah, one thing that's actually, uh, we believe part of the uh, underlying manifestation is that it's, it's uh, in animals that were not receiving antibiotics or had not received antibiotics. In other words, they were at a buying station and then they were at a slaughter plant. Uh, we did check the antimicrobial susceptibility of the organism and it's highly susceptible to beta-lactam antibiotics. So the common antibiotics that people would use um, are effective against it. So the good news is if it happens and it's caught early, it can be treated. So from your perspective, what could we as an industry learn from this experience specifically as it applies to, you know, future foreign animal diseases as an example? Yeah, I think just being vigilant and, and always looking for uh, things beyond the normal, right? Uh, the, in a case like this, it would be easy for these pigs to also be PERS positive or to also have some other uh, co-infection. And so just to, to really look at the nuances and to really make sure that we understand what was different in this case. And as you mentioned at the beginning, it was the high mortality that really shocked us. You know, you shouldn't have that many animals be uh, sick and, and die within that, that time frame. So just paying attention to those and communicating well with the diagnostic lab so that people know exactly what you're seeing on farm. Well, we appreciate your insights into uh, this investigation. I know it was a, a lot of work in a short period of time and the story is even still ongoing. Absolutely. Again, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Pig Health Today podcast. To get the latest news and interviews delivered to your inbox twice a week, subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting pighealthtoday.com slash join.